I want to talk to you on a subject today. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, we'll, 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 we'll jump into it. I'll tell you a few stories here. You know, I've, I've really been thinking about my grandfather a lot this week. And uh, so I was, when I was a kid, my grandfather lives in Bark Gardens. I don't know if you know what that is, kind of between Needleton and Beaumont. And on the back corner of his property, he's got about, I don't know, six or eight acres there. And on the back corner, there's a private lake back there that you have to be a member of to go fishing in. Well, here's the thing. It's great fishing in that pond. And for a 10, 11-year-old boy that likes to fish, this was like a temptation that was irresistible. But I was the rule follower in my family. I never wanted to break the rules. You, we were not allowed to go to the lake, and so I wouldn't go to the lake. My cousin, who's probably watching online right now, he was not the rule follower in our family. And so one day he gets to talking to me about how we're going to go fishing in that pond. And I'm like, I'm not going fishing in that pond. So it's he and his friend and then me. So I'm sitting on my cousin's back porch with my arms folded, watching them prepare all of the fishing gear. And they're getting poles out and they're getting stuff out. Well, they keep getting, they got a third one out. And everything they did, they prepared a third one for. And I'm just, I'm just frowning. I'm like, we can't do this. Papa's going to be really upset with us. Uh, you know, and in those days, my, my grandpa was a big, strong, stout man. He's got hands about this long. And I just, you know, I don't know how you were raised. I was raised getting whippings. Um, uh, not, not whippings. <laughs> no, we got whooped. I mean, we got the tar beat out of us. Okay. And, and so, uh, and so, you know, my grandpa lived right next door and my aunt, they, they were, you know, it's, you know, from here to there for, to their house. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at his house and I'm looking at these fishing poles and I'm like, this is going to go badly. And, and about that time they get everything done. They're like, okay, we're leaving. I'm like, good. You're about to get in trouble. And they're like, no, you're coming with us. No, I'm not. Well, I'm the youngest by three years. And so eventually, you know, I gave in. The peer pressure was too much and we go fishing. But here's the thing to get to the, the lake. There was no gate. There was no access. There was just a fence because it was a private fishing lake. You had to pay membership to get there. So we come back there and we now have to cross a fence to get to where we want to go. This was a normal thing in my life. I, was, I, I grew up very comfortable crossing fences. For some reason or other, every adventure that I wanted to go, to, go, go on as a, as a young boy involved a fence which probably meant going somewhere that I wasn't supposed to go. So if you've never crossed a barbed wire fence, there are a few keys to it because if you don't use them correctly, they will end poorly. What you have to do is you get your friend to put one foot on the barbed wire and push down. You grab up with the other, the strand just above it, creating a gap, then, some, then you crawl through. This is the, the best way, the most advisable way if you ever have to cross a barbed wire fence. I know this comes up in your life all the time. I was raised in the country. If you don't have a friend, I do not recommend just going up to the wire fence and trying to climb over it and throw your leg over it. This will end poorly for you. So what you have to do is you have to go right to the actual post you have to climb up right where it ties onto the post. That's your best chance of survival. Still, your odds are low. Your best chance is to use a friend. 
This is what we had to do. We crossed through the fence, blocking us from where we wanted to go, keeping us from the goodness of this wonderful fishing pond, keeping us out from where we were not supposed to be, but where we really wanted to be. And we start fishing. And I'm going to tell you what, we were, we were catching some fish. We were just, I mean, we are raking them in. And about that time, we see this guy coming around the pond. He sees us. What do we do? We drop everything. We're over the fence, through the fence, scraped up, and we're hiding. We went from, from the property went like this, so we went, and the pond was here, so we went through this fence, through the pasture, across the fence again to the next guy's property to hide from the guy coming to get us. Now, I don't know what the fellow was going to do or if he even saw us, but the fear in my heart was very real. He went on. And we went back fishing. This was not a wise decision for me because about that time I heard my grandfather. When my grandfather came through that fence, first thing he did was chase off our friend, chased him down the street, told him never come back, to which he promptly didn't come back for two years. And then he grabbed me and my cousin both with his left hand, grabbed us by the shirts, twisted them together, and lifted us up just enough where our toes could barely touch the ground. What this does is it actually stretches the skin so when he was tearing our hide up, it worked very well all the way back to the house. I can tell you that I never went back to that lake again. One time we, we decided to go fishing because I didn't want to go to that lake again. We decided to go down uh, and cross road or gully. And then we built a ramp over the fence for the three-wheeler to get onto this guy's property. Because he had some stocked ponds back there. I don't know what it was about fishing that we needed to go fishing so badly. But we drove the three-wheeler over the fence and down. And we were back there fishing on this guy's property. And we're fishing. But, you know, the problem is, for me, now I don't know about you, some of you are just outlaws and you don't, this doesn't bother you at all. But for me, this was a problem. I had so much anxiety that I'm catching fish and I'm nervous out of my mind. I'm like, come on, guys, that's enough fish. We should go. And, and, and I'm, I was the good kid. I just really was. I don't like to break rules. I get anxiety every time I break a rule. And so I was just stressed out. And about that time, here comes the owner of the property driving in his old Ford truck, just like flying through the pasture. I screamed, panicked, lost my mind, threw my rod and reel in the pond. We, ju <laughs> we jump on the three-wheeler. We take off through the pasture. He's behind us. And we're like, I'm like, go, go, go. And we're on the big red three-wheeler. If you ever had one of those, we're like, Psh. man, we hit the ramp. I, it felt to me like, and I don't know if this is true. It felt to me like we soared like 20 feet through the air. We land. We, I never went back to that property again. I thought that guy was going to kill us. I don't know what it was about those fishing locations that were drawing us, but they were convincing us to cross fences we were not supposed to cross, to do things we weren't supposed to do, just to get to a place where we feel, felt like we had a better opportunity than we did in the canal that was legal to fish in. I want to talk to you on a subject today because... Uh, um, there are people, let me back that up just a moment. In this nation, there is a subject that is dominating headlines and has been for some time now. 
It's all over the news, and it's quite a big issue. Now, you know me, you know that I don't often talk about politics, but what we have is America is a land of opportunity, and people are crossing fences and breaking laws to get here, to live with you and I, to have a better opportunity for their families, and yet while they're here, they are living in complete fear that any moment they're going to be shipped back. I want to talk to you on immigration today, not from a political standpoint, because that's not my role, but I want to talk to you from a biblical standpoint. I want to give you a lens through which to see this subject. I'm not talking about specific policies. I'm not talking about um, Republicans or Democrats, because let, let me be clear, in case you weren't aware, this book is not Republican and this book is not Democrat. It's just not. This book is the law of God that has transcended generations. It has transcended cultures. It has transcended nations. It has transcended all of time because it's the word of God. And if we, are, if we will read it and study it and know what it says, it will give us a lens to see the world through. It is called a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview doesn't mean we always have to agree on every subject, but it means how are we looking at an issue? That's what I want to talk to you about today. How are we looking at the issue of immigration? You say, well, Pastor Randall, this is not much of a Sunday morning message. I understand. I get that. We're not going to talk about it real long, but I want to give you some framework of understanding. So I'm going to use a number of scriptures today, more than I normally use, but I want to show you some principles and when you look at the subject, when you form your opinions on the subject, when you call your senators or your representatives or whoever you call, or you're just talking to your friends about the subject, I want you to look through this lens, the lens of the Word of God. How many of you are ready to learn today? All right. The first thing I want to tell you is this, and I'm just going to give you a few, a few quick points. From 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 24. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 24. This is a, a verse uh, from the life of Solomon. Here's what it says. Solomon's dominion extended over all the kingdoms west, west of the Euphrates River, from Tifsa to Gaza. And notice this last line right here. And there was peace on all his borders. The first thing that every nation must have, that America must have, is that we must have safe borders. We must have safe borders. If we don't have safe borders, we don't just let good people in. We're, we let drugs, we let guns, we let illegal things in and illegal activity in. And in the days of Solomon, if your borders were not safe, your enemies could come right in unknown, and they would be within your walls before you knew it. And so the Bible it, it values having safe borders. So, so I want to say this to you. We need, and when I say this, some of you are going to be really mad at me, but let me finish my day before you get too mad at me. We need a fence. Every nation has a fence. In the days of Solomon, they had a fence. Now, it wasn't always a concrete wall or, or a, a chain link fence, but the fence represents the protection on the border to protect the people in one nation and keep enemies out. 
Here's the thing that I believe that we miss, though. We need a fence, but we need a fence with a gate. And our problem in America is that our gate is broken. It's not that we don't need a fence. I think most Americans would agree that we love immigration and we want people to be able to come to this country to seek a better life for their family. But the problem is our gate is broken. The gate is the thing that gives people access. Uh, when, when I was growing up, there were, there were reasons you didn't cross the fence. You didn't cross the fence because, or you crossed the fence, not went through the gate because the gate was broken or the gate was too hard to work. You couldn't get access through it or the gate was locked. And so it forced you to cross a fence. My, safe orders are, are necessary for every nation, for every kingdom on this earth. It's necessary. We need a fence. And I'm not, I'm not determining whether we need a virtual fence or whether we need a, a fence made of armies like they had in the days of Solomon or whether we need a, a real fence. The point is this. We need gates so that people have access to our nation. Because we have things that the world needs. I'll talk to you more about it in a minute. My fear, and, and this is not just a fear that I have, but it's something that I'm, I'm very uh, keenly aware of, is that there are people living in this country and they cross the fence because they couldn't get through the gate. Because they've heard the horror stories of going through our gate, trying to go through our system, and taking years and years and years and somehow getting lost. And if I, if I get into the system, then the system knows I'm here, and at any moment, they're going to show up on my doorstep, separate me from my family, and send me back home. And so we have good people living in this country that want to be a part of who we are and what we are, and yet, because of fear, they don't sign up to go through the gate because they don't want to get sent home. They don't want to get separated from their families. They don't want to get separated from their kids. They don't want to get separated from their spouses. They don't, want, they don't want to get lost and be sent away only to have to try to cross the fence again because fear. So what happens? We go through a storm. Your family loses everything in a flood. One family calls FEMA. One family calls SBA. Another has flood insurance. But this family has nothing and access to nothing. Why? Fear won't allow them to embrace the system we have here in America to help people that are in need. Are you with me this morning? Yes. We, had a, we had a man that worked for us years ago. And when he was working for us, we didn't realize uh, he, had, he had provided some documentation. And uh, so we thought he was legal, but then later on we realized he wasn't. It's an outstanding man. Uh, he's, he's still on staff at Iglesia Triunfo, which is a Spanish church in Port Arthur that we began in 2002, 2003. And he's still on staff there. He's doing an amazing job. But this man lived in fear every single day. And, and anytime something happened, th th this guy would just disappear, sometimes for days at a time until he felt like it was safe to return. And when we realized the anxiety and the fear that this man was living in, it, it broke our heart. And so we began talking with him, why are you not becoming legal? And he said, because once they know I'm here, they're going to come get me. They're going to send me home. It was heartbreaking. So we helped sponsor him. We helped push him through the process. Um, I, I believe the gate is the system through which people can come into our country the proper way, the right way. When you keep climbing over a barbed wire fence, you break the fence, and now you let anything in and out. But if we use a gate properly, we can let, let people come in. We can let them engage in our society and our culture and our system uh, the right way. 
First is this, we, we must have safe borders, but we've got to fix our gate. Our gate is broken. This is my biggest struggle every time I listen to the debate on immigration is we're talking about the wrong thing. Why don't we fix the root problem? Whether they're coming from South America, whether they're coming from the Middle East, whether they're coming from uh, Asian countries, wherever they're coming from, we got to fix the gate so people can come in legally. Let's go to number two because you guys didn't like that one. It's okay. Um, we must have one set of rules. One set of rules. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. We're going to hit a couple of verses here. Everyone, how many people? Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, nowhere does this say that all authority is right, that all authority people treat it correctly and do things right. No, but we must all obey our governing authorities. Obeying the rule of law is part of what it takes, not just to have a good society, but this is the Apostle Paul writing to the, the people of Rome and to the church at Rome and saying, you have to obey all the authorities. The people in authority over them hated Jews. They were, they were being very difficult with Jews. And yet Paul says, you must obey all authority. There has to be one rule of law. There has to be one set of rules. I, it, it bothers me when there's one set of rules for one person and one set for another person, one set for the rich and one set for the poor, one set for the white man and one set for the black man, one set for Americans and one set for immigrants, one set for the immigrants that we want in this country and the one set for those that we don't really want to come. We have to have one set of rules. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 10. This is in the midst of giving of the Ten Commandments. Watch what he says here. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. How many of you read this before? All right. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Watch who he includes here. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and your female servants, your livestock, and watch right here, and any foreigners living among you. Now, this law that's given, we call, we, we call the Word of God the law of God. But understand, this was not just the law in the church when God was speaking it. This was the laws of the entire nation. Here's what God said. I'm giving you a law. And I want everyone within your borders to follow my law. So we got to have one law. The law the law's got to be the same for everybody, but everybody's got to follow the law. No matter where we are, no matter where we're from, we all follow the law. God, God said, it doesn't matter who you are, you've got to follow my law. Because here's what God knew. There are laws that are put in place that are good for everyone. Specifically this one. The Sabbath is an important um, it's an important law that we often skimp over in our 24-7 society today. It's the law of rest. That God said, set one day aside, let your body rest, let your mind rest, let your livestock rest. Uh, and then once a year, uh, once every seven years, you let the land rest for one year. And if you do, you will produce more if you work on the Sabbath principle. And so God is saying this. He's saying, look, there's going to be for foreigners that move into your land. They're going to live among you. This is a good thing. 
They don't understand how this is good for them yet, but they need to follow the law anyway until they gain an understanding of why it works in their favor. We all have to have the same law. We all have to follow it. Let's keep going. Um, Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 21 through 23. Divide the land within these boundaries among the tribes of Israel. Distribute the land as an allotment for yourselves. Watch this. Divide it. Distribute it as an allotment for yourselves and for the foreigners who have joined you and are raising their families among you. They will be like native-born Israelites to you and will receive an allotment among the tribes. These foreigners, he keeps going, these foreigners, let's be really specific. These foreigners are to be given land within the territory of the tribe with whom they now live. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. What does this mean to us today? This means that when people come in and they obey our laws and they embrace our culture, not that they have to lose all of their culture, but embrace the American culture, and they obey our laws, then here's the point. They should, be, they should reap the rewards of our society just like you and I. They shouldn't be left out in the cold. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be scared to send their kids to our schools for fear of deportation. They shouldn't be afraid to go to the hospital for fear that someone's going to call immigration. They shouldn't be afraid at all times of everything to uh, enjoy the fruit of our land just because they're from another country. He said, you're going to treat them as if they were native born. I want a system set up. And I, and I believe this is in accordance with the word of God, that when people come in, they get to enjoy the fruit of our country. It's the land of opportunity. I want people to find that opportunity. I want them to enjoy the rewards. I don't want them to live in fear. I, I want people to come in, hey, obey our laws. What does that mean? Do things the right way. Pay your taxes and, and uh, don't get in trouble. Don't, and when you do, enjoy the fruit of our land. Hey, you know what? Jump in. Pay your taxes. Pay, pay your Social Security taxes. And when you retire, you get Social Security just like all the rest of us. If there's any left by the time I get there. How you old people are sucking it all up. I don't I'm just kidding. Got a little too serious. I had to break it up for a minute. You are just staring at me. Um, but I want people to enjoy the fruit of this land. And that's what God's saying. He's saying, look, whether they came young or whether they came old, when they come in, treat them like they've always been here. It's a reflection of our heart. It's a view of, of how we're treating people, how we're seeing people. That goes on to number three. We cannot mistreat or oppress a stranger. Now, when you study scripture, there are a number of words that are used. Stranger, foreigner, alien. These are words for, uh, used for people who uh, are from one country that move to another or pass through. And the word of God gives us some very specific instructions on how to treat people. We don't treat them as less than. Watch what he says. In Zechariah verse seven, chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor, and do not scheme against each other. 
It is unbiblical to oppress people from another nation, even if they came in the wrong way. It is ungodly and unchristian and unbiblical to treat people poorly, to treat them negatively, to treat them badly, to oppress them just because we don't think they should be here. No, our responsibility is to treat people fairly and equally, no matter if they're widows or orphans, foreigners or the poor, we treat them the same. Now you tell me, does this, does this sound like it reflects the heart of God to you? Because it does to me. Because God didn't look at me negatively and he didn't look at you down on you because you came from here and another came from there. No, he looked at us all the same. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us and he treated us all the same, gave us all grace, gave us all mercy, gave it all to us. This is part of God. How are you treating people as we make policies and as we decide on the, our, our future this has to be at the forefront of our mind that we cannot mistreat or oppress. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly, no matter what part of life you come from, no matter what uh, class or race or ethnicity or land you come from. We can't twist the justice system to work against one group of people. We can't do it that way. It has to be fair. How are you treating people? How are you treating people? How, how do you treat people who, um, you know, and, and, and if, I'm, if I'm being really honest, to just, just to break through for a moment, most Americans, especially uh, where we live in the southern part of the country, we're totally good and embrace people from South America. Where their culture is very similar to ours. Uh, I mean, can, can I get an amen for Tex-Mex? I mean, just, in, I mean, I, I, I thank you. I'm in Jesus. I, I, uh, hallelujah. Uh, so There's just some merging of goodness and um, makes up 80% of my diet, uh, which is, uh, which is why, why I had to hit the gym this week. Uh, my vision for my life this year is, is more Bradley Cooper, less Sheldon Cooper. And so... Um, <laughs> But when it starts coming to people from nations who we don't like, do we treat people differently? Do we view them differently? Well, we come across the border from Mexico. We love uh, South America. We love Mexican people. We love Puerto Rican people. We love all this. But what about when they come from other parts of the world? How are we treating people? Jesus addressed the issue. Let's, let's go to Jesus now because I want to make sure that, you know, you don't say, well, that's all Old Testament. Let's look what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 25. Verse 34, then the king will say to those who uh, on his right, come, you who are blessed my, my, by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Watch, for I was hungry, this is Jesus, and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. Remember one of the words that's used, stranger, foreigner, alien. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Here's what I want you to know. How we treat people who are not from this country is a direct reflection of how we are treating God. Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't say, hey, well, listen, that was a good uh, follower of mine and you treated them poorly. No, no. He just said, how are you treating the stranger? 
no matter where they're from, no matter what culture they're from, how are you treating the stranger? Because whatever you're doing to them, you are doing it to me. So when you go to the the gas station or you go to the restaurant and you treat someone poorly who's from a different country and a different culture than you and a different background for you, you've got to know as a believer, as a follower of Christ, what we're doing to them, we're actually doing to Jesus. It's not just the widows and the orphan, it's the stranger too. Leviticus 19, verse 33 and 34. I'm almost done this morning. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. In your business, in your workplace, in your life, have you seen foreigners, illegal aliens, taken advantage of? Treated improperly, paid less than they should have been paid, Paid less than a fair, a fair day's labor. Worked longer, worked harder, given no benefits. Treat them like native-born Israelites, and watch this, and love them as yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Exodus 22 and 21. You must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. And here's here's what I want to show you. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the lands of Egypt. Here's Here's what God was reminding his people. First of all, you were once a foreigner in the land of Israel. You were a foreigner in the land of Canaan. Secondly, when you... When, when Israel was, uh, when the land of Canaan was in a drought and everyone was facing imminent death, you left and you went to Egypt. You were a stranger in Egypt. And you understand what it was like for people to treat you uh, uh, well at first but end up enslaving you. So how can you possibly, having come from where you've come from, treat people any other way but fairly and with kindness. If you've been a slave, how can you treat others the same way? This is so important, I believe, in Scripture because not just, not just is it a reflection of what is happening in immigration. It can become a reflection of our heart and our view and our lens of people who were sinners who come into the church and they don't look right and they don't smell right and you can tell they were out sinning the night before and they drug themselves in or when you go to work and you live your life and you're around sinners every day if you're not treating them as yourself loving them as yourself have we forgotten that we too were sinners once and it wasn't by our good deeds it wasn't by our uh, wonderfulness. It was only by the grace of God that we were saved. You see, every person in this room, you may have been born here, but someone in your lineage was not. Someone traveled here. Someone was a, was a foreigner. Someone was an immigrant. Someone was a stranger. Someone came from somewhere else, wherever you came from. Some crossed a fence to get here. Some cro- swam a river. Others uh, came on boat. Others were forced in the belly of slave ships to get here. But we all came here. None of us are really native to this land. So how could we treat anybody 
any other way. The heart of God says, look, treat people with love. Treat people with kindness. Treat people with goodness. Whether they're legal, whether they're illegal, let's figure out how to take out the fear, take out the worry, and give people access to this nation. If they go through the right way, they go through the right channels, if they're willing to engage in our society, hey, come on in and reap the reward of this nation. And I want to end with this, and I want to show you the big picture purpose of God, okay? If you'll put my last verse up, Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man or one blood in the New King James, he created all the nations through the whole earth. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like. We're all from one blood. We're all from one man. We are, we're all brothers. We're all sisters. We're all family. It's, it's all. So when you do it to someone, you're really doing it to yourself. You're doing it to your own family. And he decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, and he determined their borders. I want you to understand something. Look through the course of history. You have seen nations and empires rise, and you have seen them fall. And you can blame it on this, and you can blame it on that, but at the end of the day, it was God involved in all of it. And America might be the leader of the free world today, but it is not written in stone that we always will be. Watch verse 27. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Can I tell you God's purpose and why this matters? God is sending people to America, not just to find the American dream, but, but to find salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's purpose is big. He's not just trying to get me a house. He's trying to get people saved. He's trying to get people to heaven. He's trying to change the course of people's in, in entire eternity. And so instead of building walls to keep people out, let's build gates that people can come in and that when they get here, they can find Jesus. They can find the hope of our lives. They can find the hope of the world that you and I can share the love of Jesus Christ with them. And it starts with how we are treating people. Are we treating people with kindness and love? Are we treating people as if you were standing in front of Jesus himself? I know this is not a normal sermon today. I know it's not a touchy-feely sermon, three points to a better life. But sometimes we've got to do some pastoral work. And I, and I wanted to take a moment to help set our lens. How are we viewing the world? How are you viewing immigration? Vote how you vote. Decide how you decide. But let's all look through the lens of the Word of God. Can I get an amen this morning? I want to ask you to pray with me as we close today. And, and I really, if you, if you watch the news, we're facing some very serious decisions that, that need to be made. I'm praying that the heart of God would begin to shine through. The kindness and love combined with wisdom and understanding would merge. And that a spirit of division would be pushed aside and a spirit of compromise and unity would rise up. That someone in our government would stand up and be the voice of God in our Congress. Can you pray with me for that?
Father, I thank you that we get the chance to live in this great country. I thank, that you thank you that you chose us, that we were born here or that we were able to come here. Lord God, I am asking you that through the pages of your scripture, would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our minds? Would you enlighten us to make sure that we are looking through your word? That we are looking through the lens of people and your love for people and that you died for all of us. You died for every single one of us. You love us all, no matter what country we're from, no matter what color we are, no matter what language we speak. God, you came for every single one of us. So Father, speak to our leaders. Give them wisdom, give them understanding, but God, give them a kindness and a gentleness, Lord. Let, let them see through your lens that when how we treat people is a direct reflection of how we are treating your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for creative ideas, and I am praying for courage for, for, for our leaders to stand up and speak your word, and that when they speak it, many would follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.